Hello and welcome to the seventh edition of our series here of taking care of your mental health as a professional wrestler. We <clears throat> will be doing a mental health Q&A tonight with Mike Bennett and our resident expert, Carl, who's been on every single one of these. And Mike is uh, becoming a recurring guest here. And so we're pumped to have that conversation about taking care of your mental health as a professional wrestler. And like I said, this is part seven in this series, and you can check out all previous six uh, webinars on YouTube. And just a little background about what we're doing here and why we started this. So my name is Aaron Mashbitz. I used to be a professional wrestler named Jackson Stone. I trans sort of transitioned, not sort of, I absolutely did transition my whole life into trying to advocate for mental health. And since I was a professional wrestler, I understand how difficult our mental health, um, the toll our mental health can take when being a professional wrestler and just being a, a regular person. It's just very, there's a lot of challenges. And so creating some systems, some resources where people can go to. So Carl and our other therapist, Kyle, run monthly support groups that are free of charge for anyone in the professional wrestling business. We also have a Facebook group that is for professional wrestlers for reflections, questions, comments, just connecting with one another. And then we do these webinars every other month. So that's sort of our system and structure that we're trying to build. We want to do more support groups. We want to have more Facebook groups. We want to do more webinars, more live conversations, more panels, all of these things just to encourage more conversation, to encourage more connection, and to encourage uh, the professional wrestler to take care of their mental health so they can be the best version of themselves in and out of the ring. So that's really what we're doing here. And all of this stuff is sponsored and hosted by my mental health nonprofit, which is called You Are Loved. And if you want any more information about You Are Loved, you can go to youarelovedlife.com. That's my spiel. I'm done with that. We will now uh, get into the meat and bones. And so we're going to go into the mental health Q&A now. And so the first question is, I think, a beautiful question. So it's just someone wants to know, um, how are you? So Mike, Carl, you're up. Mike, why don't you go ahead and take it? You Mike, you're muted also. Mike, you're still muted. Oh, no. How about now? Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. We're ready to okay. go, baby. I, I just revealed the secret of life. So sorry, I can't repeat <laughs> it. Um, but I, I'm I'm great. Life is good. Um, it has its ups and downs. Um, but for the most part, I try to make the most of it. I try to find the silver lining in life. I try to find the silver lining in, in the lousy moments. Um, and I try to consistently remind myself that no matter where I'm at in my life, it's eventually going to pass. My good times are going to pass. My bad times are going to pass. And uh, I try to keep that that thought process, that steady thought process of no matter where you're at, no matter if uh, you're riding high from a world championship match or um, you're you're desperate to get a look at while you're on the indies, it's going to pass. And it's, it's eventually, it's either going to get better. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it gets worse. But I think understanding that it does get worse is one of the keys that has saved me with my mental health because I understand it. And I understand that at a certain point, life just hits you in the face. And, but the good part about that is knowing that um, the good times don't last. That also means the bad times don't last. So when I'm being hit in the face, I go, okay, this, this is happening for a reason and I'll figure it out eventually. Um, and just that thought process alone moves me forward. Um, 
So I'm good. I'm not perfect, but who's perfect? Honestly, we figure it out and we do the best that we can. Right. And I, I really like that sentiment. It sounds like resilience to me, right? It's where you understand that we can get through this. We have the tools. And I think this is a great opportunity to continue building those tools. Uh, with the insight that Mike has, I, I feel really excited about what we can accomplish here. Yeah, it's just an important question. It's an important question to not only ask others and create sort of the space to actually give someone the chance to answer it honestly. But I think it's it's an important that we ask ourselves that question. And so the next question is, why is it important to to check in on ourselves? And so whether you're doing it uh, like because someone reminded you that you need to check in on yourself, whether you're doing it because Someone asked you, how are you? And you didn't answer honestly to them. And now you're reflecting back on yourself or you have this sort of daily practice of taking an inventory about how you feel, where you're at, you know, one out of 10. So why is that important? Um, and do you have a, a check-in practice that you do daily, Mike, Carl? Uh, I, you know, it's funny that this is one of the first questions because I was just talking about reminding yourself daily um, that you're a work in progress. And I think that's one of the ones for, for me, that's how I constantly check in on myself is I'm constantly telling myself that you're always getting better. You're always moving forward. Even when you feel like you're moving in reverse, life is teaching you something that is eventually going to propel you forward. Um, and I think that's the biggest for me, at least the biggest reason why uh, checking in on yourself is so incredibly important because you need to constantly remind yourself of these things. And it's just like I said, uh, right at the very beginning, this too shall pass. You need to constantly remind yourself of th those things, because if you don't, you are going to feel like the moment you're in will be the moment you're in for the rest of your life. And I think for so many people that starts to spiral and they start to, um, they start to inflict self-doubt. They start to inflict uh, incorrect things into their brain because they assume that where they're at at that moment, that that's it. That's the that that's it. No, nothing's gonna get better. That that's the end of the story. And um, I think when you check in on yourself, it's that daily reminder of okay, how am I today? Okay, how was I yesterday? Okay, how do I think I'm gonna be tomorrow? Because when you keep doing that, you can then look and be like, okay, where I'm at isn't always gonna be where I'm at. I know that where I was last Tuesday, I'm actually in a better place. And then when you're there, you can say to yourself, okay, so I may not like where I'm at this Tuesday, but it sure as heck be beat the last Tuesday. And it's just constantly reminding yourself. It's we're look, we're only human. We forget things. We we get caught up in things. We we think certain things, we think our thoughts are actually what's happening. And um I think it's like a reality check. It's like, hey, are you good? Are you all right? This is the, you got this. Everything's gonna be good, you know. And I think that's it's that self uh, affirmation, that self affirmation of like, no matter what you're doing, you got this. You can get through this because you've made it this far. I feel like we're linked mentally right now, Mike, because <laughs> I've had cognitive distortions on my mind all day, and when we're not checking in with ourselves. 
and we start to have those unhelpful thoughts kind of seeping in because we all have our challenges every day. So to be able to use mindfulness to check in, where are we at that moment? It helps to fight those cognitive distortions, catastrophizing, minimizing, right? Some other examples, should, could, would. We don't want to have this kind of unhelpful thinking. And to stop that, we can use affirmations, really identifying what we like in ourselves. And that combats those unhelpful thoughts and helps us to stay on that track. Mike, do you have any um, things that you do daily, like physical practices that allow you to help you check in on yourself? You're still on mute. <laughs> this is going to be the ongoing theme. I'm telling you, I've been stuck at home with my daughter. So my brain is like, see, this is why you got to check in on yourself. Um, I actually, I do. Um, and it's, it's the most important thing that I do of the entire day. I have a morning routine where uh, the first thing I do when I wake up is I go downstairs and I meditate for 15, 30 minutes, depending on where, what time I got up and what time the kids have to get up, but meditation, then I read in my book and then I journal and the journaling aspect of it is probably the most important thing. Um, because it keeps me in check. It makes me constantly check in on myself. Um, it keeps me honest. It reminds me of what the day before was like. It reminds me what the entire week was like. Um, and it helps me in that moment. And you'd be surprised at, uh, it sounds so cliche. And I know we're, we're seeing all these, um, social media influencers now putting all this, Oh, you got a journal. It's so incredibly beneficial. Like I am not kidding. When I tell you that the difference in the days, because I travel so much, there are some days when my morning routine gets entirely screwed up because I'll get in at like three o'clock in the morning and got to be up by four to catch a flight five to catch a flight. So some days it gets screwed up. I can significantly see a difference in the days when I don't get to journal as opposed to the days that I do get to journal. Starting the day out with actually getting all your thoughts, your feelings, your positive affirmations, your daily affirmations, just saying things that you um, you doubt about yourself and just writing down, like, I believe it. Like, I have an entire list of things that I write down. I am worthy. I am loved. You know, I am a disciplined human. Like, I, I say these things to just continuously remind myself of these things. That, yes, there are days where I will not feel worthy. There are days when I won't feel loved. There are days when I won't be disciplined, but by and large, this is who I want to be. And this is how I want to represent myself. So saying those things daily, just reminding myself of those things daily. It's a, it's a great way to start your day. It's a hell of a be better way to start your day than looking at your phone and letting other people dictate how your day is going to start, because that's what I used to do. And it was like, boop, boop. Oh, Mike Bennett's the worst wrestler in the world. Boom. I'm so happy. WWE fired you boo boo and it's just like holy cow is that really how i'm going to start my day what a lousy way to start your day but if you're literally writing down first thing in the morning i'm worthy i'm loved even if you don't feel worthy or loved that morning just writing it down and reminding yourself that you you should feel that way you deserve to feel that way it's um like i said it's the most important thing that i do beautiful i think uh uh, an important aspect of journaling, which aligns with exactly what you were talking about with the first question of this too shall pass, right? If you 
are in sort of a, a sort of a dark state of mind and you're sort of getting in the depths of your own brain and you're feeling like you're the only person in the world who's feeling this way and this feeling is going to last forever. Okay, well, now you've cultivated this journaling practice. You don't try it when you're in a crisis. You've built it up over time. And so now you've mustered up the courage to try and write some stuff down. And you happen to put the date on that journal and you write some stuff down how you're feeling. Boom, 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 boom. And you make it through the day, you make it through the night and you wake up the next morning, you're feeling a little bit better and you do a little bit of stuff. And then a week later, you get back in your journal again and you see the time difference. A week had passed and you do not feel the same way that you did last week. That's concrete evidence that your brain was lying to you and you overcame it. It's not just a false thing. It's not a fake it till you make it. It's not like this woo-woo thing that you're seeing on the internet. It's like real evidence. It's you wrote this a week ago and you are writing this now. And you now know you have this undeniable stack of proof that you are the person you say you are because you overcame this thing and now you can overcome this thing again. And so all of these things align in terms of creating and cultivating uh, a check-in practice or a mental health toolkit. And journaling can be one of those things for you because it's a forcing function and it allows you to actually see that the things you think are not real or they're real or that you're able to overcome those challenges through the evidence that you have on this sheet of paper. And I think that's extremely important. Um, Carl, anything to add? It sounds like acceptance, right? When journaling, it accepts what we're feeling in that moment. And we as people, we can think and feel however we want. And I think journaling allows people to give themselves permission to feel. It. And once you accept it and you take responsibility for feelings, that's when change can start to come. It isn't until we're real with ourselves and recognize that, hey, you know, I've been down, haven't been doing the right things for myself, been going to bed too late, have been training the right way, you know, checking in with yourself and taking responsibility. And then what I like about journaling is that you use it in a solution focused way, right? You want to come up with a plan. It's just, it, you can use it for, for grief and for, you know, kind of spilling your guts. But I think it also helps you to come up with a game plan for people that are more visually inclined. Yeah. And, and Mike also mentioned meditation. And it's uh, so happens that we have a meditation expert in the room with us, not to put him on the spot, Jordan, who uh, also did one of these webinars a few months back. And we had an hour long conversation about mindfulness and meditation and not to put him on the spot again, but I'm going to ask him quickly if he would come off mute and tell us just a brief bit about how one should start the journey to begin a meditation or mindfulness practice? Uh, you are putting me on the spot, but uh, it's a privilege. Uh, I think meditation can start with one mindful breath, easiest way into it. Uh, when we are meditating, more often than not, uh, the, the name of the game is uh, attention, awareness, uh, focus on the present moment. Um, ideally, we're just paying attention to whatever is happening uh, without judging what we're noticing, without uh, attachment to whatever it is that we're noticing. And the breath is something that is always there. It will always be there as long as we are alive. And so if we can just take one mindful breath, 
and direct our attention to the sensation of that, uh, to me, that is successful meditation. Uh, meditation doesn't need to be sitting in a, in a Buddha-like pose for 30 minutes in complete stillness and silence without thought. Um, that's not that realistic, uh, nor is it kind uh, when we're starting out. So again, I think the quickest way in uh, with kindness to ourselves, with curiosity to a new experience, perhaps, uh, directing our attention to one mindful breath. Beautiful. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate you. Thank you. <clears throat> Next question we have, we, we experienced a pretty deep and challenging loss in the professional wrestling industry recently. Some of you here were very close friends with the person that passed away. And so the question relates to how are you or have you navigated uh, grief? Yeah, Mike, go ahead. You got to get off off mute though first before you start chatting. <laughs> I thought I clicked at that time. But uh, um, it was um, this the the passing of Jay Briscoe was probably one of the most uh, difficult moments of my life. Uh, I've lost people. I've lost family members. Um, this one hurt more than I've probably ever felt something in my life. Um, just because of knowing who he was. And um, yeah, that, that one hurt. And I, I'm actually glad that this question came up because it's been something that I've actually been exploring lately because I'm actually still in the process of exploring on how to deal with this, how to handle this grief, how to, as a 37 year old man with two kids and a wife, how do you navigate the, the world knowing, um, you know, stuff like this happens, not trying, trying to figure out, um, trying to understand and I think that's the hard part is we're constantly trying to understand, especially something like this. And like I said, this is new for me. So I'm currently navigating the road and to say I have it figured out, I'd be lying. You know, I I don't. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. But uh, I think the reason why I wanted to speak first on this is because I have one huge takeaway from uh, this this whole ordeal that's gone on since January. And it's. It is crucial, crucial in life that you, you put things in the things you can't control and the things that don't make sense, whether you believe in the universe or you believe in, in God or you, whatever it is that you believe in, the things you can't control, it's important that you put it in something, someone, something, some entity's hand. You have to say, I can't deal with this right now. I, I can't figure this out. It's bigger than me. And you have to, you have to believe in something bigger than yourself. Because if you try to navigate this life without believing in something bigger than yourself, and I don't care what it is, I, I don't, uh, uh, I've never grown up very religious. Um, uh, my family wasn't very religious. Um, I've been navigating faith recently just because of the passing of Jay Briscoe. But like I said, you need to find something that's bigger than you and you need to put all that stuff into that that entity that universe uh the the whatever it is the divine whatever you want to call it you need to put it in in their hands because this life will um throw things at you that you'll just go what that doesn't make any sense and the more you try to figure out figure it out and the more you try to break it down the more difficult it'll be it'll become 
because there are going to be moments in life when it hits you so incredibly hard with something and you won't be able to figure it out. And all you can ever do is say this, this is bigger than me. So whatever that is out there that is bigger than me, please take control of this. And I'm just going to give it to you. And like I said, whether that's faith-based, whether that's spiritual-based, whether that's the universe, I don't care what it is, whether it's your family connection, um, whether it's in like you just you're you're gonna you're gonna live for your kids more. You have to find something that's bigger than yourself and you have to live for something that's bigger than yourself. Because in the moments, like I said, when you don't understand, and uh I don't, I still don't understand. Um, I need to look at something else and say, okay, maybe I'm just not meant to understand this. Maybe this is bigger than me. And um, at a certain point, you'll explain it to me. At a certain point, I'll get it. At a certain point, I'll see the silver lining in this. Um, but right now, it's in it's in your hands, universe, God, whatever. Yeah. Grief is just very, it's very complicated very complicated especially when the death is unexpected extremely 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 unexpected you don't know what to feel and you're then maybe trying you have this sort of anger right why did this happen why did this happen why did this happen you're never going to know why and then we start to avoid some of these harder feelings and then we sort of start to numb ourselves away from feeling this sort of anger and then we maybe get into denial that is this person really gone? It can't be true. And it's just a whole thing. It's not just like the straight path to healing. It's like very up and down. Some days are going to be really bad. Some days are going to be really good. You know, I've been, I lost my sister four years ago now. And some days I feel wonderful. And some days, you know, I ask myself some of the same questions that I've been asking myself for four years, like how, why, and then guilt and shame run through my body. And then after all that, sometimes I feel a sense of relief and it's like, I don't know, you know, but I have learned through groups and therapy to just try and feel it, try and accept it as is, and then do some of these modalities that have helped me work through it. And when it's so fresh, which it very much is very, 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 very fresh, probably feels like it happened yesterday for those that are close to him. There's just not much to do except for try and remember how amazing and loved he was and remember the same thing for yourself and then feel those challenging emotions as they come through and try to release them in a way that's, you know, productive and healthy instead of numbing yourself away from that thing. Cause eventually it'll catch up to you. And when it does catch up to you, it's much worse than trying to face the dragon head on um, now, which is harder, much harder said than done, obviously, but making that voluntary choice is, is very important. So Carl, you have any thoughts? Jordan, I know you knew him as well. If you want to share some words. Sure. Um, I swear I did not come here uh, expecting to be participatory, but um, yes, I, I, I knew Jay. I worked with Jay for a couple of years at Ring of Honor. Um, I can't say we were friends, but he always treated me like a brother. Um, I'd like to think that there was a mutual love and respect between us um and it was it was unique in that it was such a shock and a tragedy um what i'm feeling right now in in talking about this is pretty raw because my dad died a week and a half ago and i was with him in hospice for a week knowing that he would die 
And that was different than Jay because we knew it was coming for a while. He um, had COPD for years, and that's something that only gets worse um, until something gives. So I'm going through the most intense grief I've ever gone through. And, uh, you know, some may think, oh, Jordan's a, a mental health professional of over a decade. Um, he's well equipped to handle this. Um, perhaps, but I'm human first and foremost. And like, I'm okay, but I'm fucked up. And that's okay. Uh, grief is certainly not a linear process. Um, it's interesting, you know, I, I, I learn these things and talk about these things, but I've never experienced grief like this. Um, certainly, I was very upset about Jay. Um, I, I cried about his loss and I felt it deeply for a while, but I can't compare that to the loss of my father. Um, it's just different. And what's helpful is that for much of my life, certainly my adult life, I've developed practices of self-care, whether that is a meditation practice, um, whether that's uh, developing my own emotional capacity, my ability to communicate what I'm feeling, what I'm going through, uh, cultivating friendships, uh, like actually taking time to maintain the friendships that I have. And as an adult, and especially as a guy, that's not always common for us. Um, I make effort to develop new friendships. And the thing that maybe has been most helpful these past couple weeks is I have a huge support system, both locally and with, you know, people like you that I really just interact with uh, online through Wi-Fi, which is amazing. Uh, so where I'm at now, I mean, I'm just trying not to judge the pace of it. I haven't cried in a week. And that was after bawling multiple times a day. Um, I'm trying not to judge that. I'm not trying not to think like, is that right or wrong? Is that good or bad? I don't know, because I don't know what this is supposed to look like. And I don't think there's any right way to grieve for any one person. Um, but again, I'm just trying to take care of myself without judgment. These are things that I've cultivated through meditation. Um, and I'm trying to show up and talk about it and not keep it to myself. And even though this wasn't intentional to be expressive uh, in this chat, uh, I feel and I trust that by opening up uh, to y'all, uh, I'm better for it. And this now becomes part of my grief process. Thank you, Jordan, man. Lots of love to you and your family. I appreciate you very much. Carl. Thank you, Thank you so much, Jordan. So much. That's not something not easy. Something. And as somebody who lost his father 22 years ago, it it is still a, a really tough process. It's one that, that doesn't end. It changes over time. We will always feel grief and it will always, you know, always have that trauma with us. And it'll take different meanings over time. Right now, it is, is going to be about the most confusing it could possibly get. It'll stay that way for a while. And I feel that that's how a lot of people feel when they begin grieving. And in this day and age of needing that immediacy, that solution, it's hard to sit. 
And I, sticking with that theme of understanding that this too will pass and change. So thank you so much for sharing. It's, it's, it's wonderful to have you here and to have your expertise. It really made me think how you had your support system in place. You were as ready as one could probably be for a situation like this. And it reminds me of Aaron, one of your podcasts where you spoke about how mental health isn't just when you're feeling bad. You know, working on your mental health is something we can do when we're at our best because it helps to elevate us. Building these support systems when we're good, planning for the inevitabilities because no matter what, bad shit's going to happen. And you can never be fully prepared, but we can practice these strategies until they're muscle memory for us. We can inform the people around us how they can be there for us as we grieve, helping them to understand your triggers and your trauma and how that's going to impact your grief. It's never easy to think about these things. And it's, it's impossible to come up with reasons why. But it can bring communities together. And with watching how things have been, you know, these past few months, it's, it's impressive to see how many people could recognize growth and see how much he grew and and that the world got to love him more for it. So it, it's been challenging. It's really hard watching my friends grieve and feel that pain too. So being able to create these spaces, being able to be together with all of you, it, it can be very healing, you know, connection. And love is some of the best medicine we have. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, deciding to, you know, be proactive about your mental health is the greatest investment you can make because you're just armoring yourself for the inevitable chinks that are going to come, for the inevitable stabs, the fall downs, right? Because we're all on the hero's journey. Every single one of us is a hero and we're on a journey. And on the hero's journey, you face a bunch of dragons and those dragons try to burn your house down. And we just get back up and we grab a sword and we try to we try to kill that dragon. And so when the dragon is not trying to burn our house down, we are armoring ourselves daily, constantly with meditation, with journaling, with connection, with love, you know, all of those things. And so that's really, you know, that's my best analogy and my most favorite one. <laughs> so I use it quite a bit. But anyways, I think it's quite, it's, it's, you know, it's quite paramount when you think about it. So the next question relays off of that. Since we are talking about taking care of our mental health as a professional wrestler, this question is specifically about how do you take care of yourself while you're on the road? So, Mike? Yeah. Um. I think uh, I think one of the the best things that I do uh, to try to uh, take care of myself when I'm on the road, it's honestly I try very, very difficult, uh, very, very hardly not to um, when I'm flying or when I'm driving, I try to stay focused on where I'm at. I try to stay present on where I'm at because it's very easy to get distracted when you travel and when you're on the road to just be like, all right, I'm going to look at my phone or I'm going to put on my, my iPad and watch a movie. I try to take those moments when I can just kind of be present 
and 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 sit in the moment to be present and sit in the moment and one of the most difficult things about being on the road is you you don't have your usual stuff. You don't have your usual companion. You don't have your usual uh, safety nets. You're, you're kind of out there at the whim of the world. And so the taking those little tiny moments to reflect or those long four hour drives, it's incredibly difficult to do, but I try to sit there as long as I can. And I try to be present because I try to remind myself that, um, look at what I get to do. I mean, just two, two or three weeks ago, me and my wife were uh, in San Francisco for AEW. And I've been to San Francisco a ton of times. I went out there with ROH and I've been there with WWE and I've been out there just to visit. I've been out there a ton of times, but this time I made it a point. We had a day off and I made it a point to take every single moment that I thought was special and to sit in it and reflect on it and to just feel it feel the moment because the travel can be so crazy and so busy. And then you throw in show days and then you, you throw in the, the uh, craziness of the airport uh, or the late nights or the lack of sleep. Sometimes we just forget to sit in the moments that we're in. And just those moments help me out, help me out huge. And it's, it's honestly something that I just started doing. It's, Every single town we go to now, this is going to sound really ridiculous, but the first thing I do is, is I smell. I'll step out of the car and I'll just take a big whiff of the air just and be like, all right, that's the smell of Cleveland. Okay, cool. Let's let's feel that. And you know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it smells not so good. But either way, it instills something in me and it makes me, it puts my feet on the ground and it reminds me that I'm still a human and that life is just, life is bigger than what I'm doing right now. Life is, life is more complex than what I'm doing right now. And truthfully, in the grand scheme of it, it's what I'm doing is 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 insignificant. It's it's so small can, compared to the 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 grandeur of life. And it just it helps me just appreciate it because I think, I think with travel and I think a lot of the men and women in wrestling can attest to this with travel, we tend to lose ourselves. We tend to lose ourselves in the wrestling business as it is, but the travel makes it 10 times worse because like I said, you don't have your things, you don't have your comfort blanket. So you're just kind of out there, you're naked, you're afraid. And then you're trying to deal with the politics and the craziness of wrestling. If you can somehow find that ability to not let that all get in your head and to just take a moment and look around and be like, holy cow, this is really cool. I get to do this. Whether you're, whether you're making 20 bucks and you just somehow figured out a way to get to that show and get home, take that moment and appreciate that moment. Whether you're making six or seven figures and, but you're worried about your push or you're worried about who they're pushing next or the politics backstage, take that moment and look around and be like, holy cow, I get to do this. I get to be here. I get to travel to San Francisco or to Cleveland and to, and 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 regardless of what is going on right now, this is this is life. This is cool. This is awesome. And it's it's that little just tiny reflection or appreciation or just being present in the moment that um man, it it centers me. And it it and like I said, I, I'm human. I am only human, just like Justin said, he's still a human. So I let, um, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I don't let things get to me in wrestling. It's my career. It's it's how I feed my kids. But I still need to take those moments because if I don't, the road and the wrestling industry, it, it, it has a tendency to eat people up that just consume themselves with it. And not consuming yourself with wrestling while you're on the road is so beneficial.
Mike, do you have a shortened or abbreviated or adopted morning routine that you potentially do for the road? Yeah. I mean, I try to keep it as, as normal as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here's the thing with the road is when I'm home, I put my kids to bed at eight o'clock. Usually I'm right in bed right after they go to sleep. So I'm in bed by nine, nine 30 on a bad night. It's usually 10 30, 11. If my kids didn't let me eat. So I now have to go back downstairs and eat. Um, but I'm usually up at five. I'm usually up at six and I'm going downstairs and I'm meditating and I'm doing my routine. The problem with the road is you might have a flight that's supposed to land at 7 PM and you, and, and it doesn't land until midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., your call time the next day is still the same regardless. It, they don't care what if, if your flight was delayed or your flight was canceled, so you now have to drive. The, the call time for, for, for Dynamite, the call time for Rampage, that's not changing based on your flight. So there will be days, there will be mornings where I'll wake up and I only get five hours of sleep, but I have to maximize that. I only get three hours of sleep. So I have to maximize it. What I'll try to do is I'll try to take little moments. So instead of running down to the gym and spending an hour in the gym, I'll take 20 minutes to meditate and take less time at the gym. I might not journal until I get to the building. I might find out I have nothing to do. So there's a perfect time to go into catering and journal. There's a perfect time to go and sit by the ring and journal. There's perfect times to go up into the crowd and just sit there and meditate or even just go outside and reflect on where you're at. It's because travel can get so crazy. My daily routine, um, I, I try not to be so strict with it on the road. What I try to do is look at what I need that day. Do I need meditation? Do I need to journal? Do I need either of it? Am I good? Can I just continue this day and do it? And, um, I try to just take what is most important and then try to fit it somewhere in that day. Now, if everything goes according to plan, which never happens, but sometimes it does, then I'll do my normal routine. I'll get to the hotel at seven. I'll probably eat. I'll go to bed by nine or 10 o'clock. And then I'll be up at 5 a.m. And I'll be meditating in journal. And Maria can tell you, because I'll be just sitting right next to her on the bed with my headphones on meditating. Um, and it's it's the same thing. And then I'll sneak out of the, the, the room so I can go down to the lobby so I can journal and I can do everything without waking her up. But um, it's just about finding what I need that day. Where I'm, where am I at that moment? Um, but it's, it's also important for me. There are some mornings I might have a really good match one night. And so I'll wake up and be like, I don't need to do anything. There are certain, I have to check myself and go, no, you're just still riding that high from last night. Check in on yourself right now. See what you're doing. Are you just super happy because the crowd was chanting, this is awesome. And everything was great. And you're super pumped about it. Or is there still other things that you should should be focusing on? That was great. That was awesome. Be happy about it, but don't lose sight that you still got to work on some things. And, and that feeling of happiness, that feeling of, of motivation that can go away like that. So have those things, those safeguards in place. Um, So it's just, it's a constant, just like on the road, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster of trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. When I'm home, the routine stays the same and I love it. I go on the road and then it's just like, all right, Plug it in. What work? What do I need today? What do I need that day? Okay. Do I need this here? And it's just making it work through that. Mm. Right. So what I'm hearing you say is <clears throat> you're relaying to yourself in the morning, taking an inventory. Okay. Here's what I need. Here's what I don't need. And then throughout the day, you're sprinkling the, 
sprinkling in these sort of micro mental health moments when you have time and then having this emotional agility to be able to adapt to the unfolding unpredictable environment, which is extremely important when it comes to our mental health, right? So one, we go back to one of the first few questions, checking in on yourself, having an inventory, being honest with yourself about what you need and want, and then being able to tell yourself that and then get that having some emotional agility to not be sort of rigid in your routines, but be able to have moving parts of those things and have these sort of micro moments of mental health moments throughout the day, especially on the road as a professional wrestler, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to need you or what's going to happen or who's going to need the ring or this is going to happen. They need that. Or you got there late. There was traffic. The flight was delayed, whatever, 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 all of those things, but still being able to take those moments, like Mike said, to get yourself, prepared to do the thing that you wish to do. <clears throat> Carl, do you have any advice on, on taking care of yourself on the road? Uh, more or less a comment. I really, I really like, like watching Mike's, Mike's journey, journey over the past couple of years and hearing how he explains finding what gives him energy instead of taking it away from him throughout the day. He finds what refuels him instead of worrying about trying to give more. Um, I just think that that's a really good balance because there's a lot out there that can sap your energy, that can steal the day from you. But if you're intentional and you have that toolbox with you, it's not, you're not going to get fatigued from making choices all day when you know, here's what my option is. So I just, I really like that. I think if I can add real quick, and this just kind of popped into my head and thinking about, the past few months. I think also one of the things that I do and that I try to encourage other people to do is when you're on the road and you're away from your family, luckily I'm I'm usually with my wife. So I'm I'm incredibly blessed in that point that sense, but sometimes I'm not. It's incredibly important to surround yourself with like-minded individuals and people that you know can lift you up or people that will be honest with you or people that you just feel comfortable around. Um about two months ago, right before my match with Darby, I, I needed, I needed Maria. I needed her. I needed her to look me in the eyes and be like, stop. You're freaking out. You got this. You have been doing this for a long time. You, you, you talk about, you wanted this opportunity. Now you got it and you've been preparing and you have it now focus. And you, sometimes you need that person. And if you have that person in your life or you can find that person um, while you're on the road, it's also Taven. Taven does that for me too. I surround myself with people that I know love me and have my best interests at heart. And I also know that they'll be there for me where they'll pull me aside and go, Hey, not the time. Don't do it here. Or, or, or they'll check in on me, or I can go to them and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? And they'll give me their honest opinion. And just having that support group around you and having those people that you can trust and you can rely on that, that is a huge, a huge benefit. I think I'm one of the luckiest people on the road because I'm constantly, I'm surrounded by my wife who holds me accountable. And I'm surrounded by my best friend who holds me accountable. And I know that if they say something good or bad, if they say that match sucked, it sucked. If they said that match was good, it was good. If they say, Hey, you don't need to do this right now, or you're blowing it out of proportion. I know that they're right because we have the same values and we 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 are all looking out for the best interest. They're looking out for the best interests of me and I'm looking out for the best interests of them. And that can be such a game changer while you're on the road. Because again, 
it is it's lonely and scary and you're naked on the road because you have nothing and i don't think i can explain as someone who spent uh most of his life on the road i've been wrestling for 21 years that it's a scary place you get very lonely you go from being in front of arena of 20,000 people to just sitting in your hotel room in the middle of nowhere just being like all right that that constant fall down that, that that's a, that's a, it screws with your mind and that's why you need those people around you that hold you accountable that understand what's going on and uh i've been blessed that i have two of the greatest people that that uh i could ever ask for yeah that that leads me into my next question and i think an important thing to discuss specifically for professional wrestlers right we just mentioned what you can sort of do day of day before to get yourself prepared right if you want to think of mental health in a different way you can think of it as mental well-being or enhancing the skills you have to perform your absolute best, right? If you want to think about it in a performance way, taking care of your mental health proactively is a performance-enhancing drug, a very legal and readily available drug that you can take that is absolutely good for you. So if you want to think about it in that way, I think that's cool too because a lot of people hear mental health and there's a, st there's a stigma attached to it less than – there used to be, but it still surrounds the idea that mental health is crazy and weakness and all of these really horrible stereotypes and stigmas that are attached to it. And if that doesn't work for you, you can think about it in a sort of I'm becoming the best version of myself by taking care of my mental health or my mental wellness or my mental skills by doing all of these things. So you have this sort of ritual, some emotional flexibility throughout the day that gets you to your show. Now you're standing outside the curtain and you're 15 minutes before your match starts the question the next question is, is there anything you do right in that moment to best mentally prepare to go out through the curtain uh i i try to bring myself to a level of groundedness the the most level of groundedness that i possibly can and the best way for me to do that is um i think of my kids because they don't give a shit who daddy is. They don't care. They don't, they, he's just, is, he better be home. He better be playing with my cars. He better be playing with my Barbies. That's, that's who I need to be. Um, so bringing myself down, uh, not bringing myself down, but humbling myself mm. and thinking of my children right by, right before I go out there. And it's also a reminder of, of um, you're doing this for them that every good match you have is for them. Every moment you go out there is for them. Every, every bump you take is for them because if it wasn't, it's, it's not worth it to me anymore that I, I need to go out there and I need to make it worth it for them. And there's literally no quicker way to just bring you down to earth than to remind you of the two little faces that are looking at you at home being like, you're just daddy. I don't care if you're on TV. I don't care if you're in front of 20,000 people, you're just daddy. And I think, if you can, if you can ground yourself, it's, it's extremely, extremely calming. And it just puts me in that place that I need to be. It gets me in that moment. My anxiety is not running high. Uh, my emotions aren't running high. I just, I just become Mike Bennett, the professional wrestler, because so much of who I am right now is tied into uh, who I am as a real person. So if I think of who I am as a real person, it grounds me, it brings me to where I need to go. Um, I'm not very much of like a get hyped up kind of guy. I may bring me to the real moment, bring me to reality. Let me soak in what I'm doing right now, because to me, um, that's the best way to connect with a crowd. And it's the best way that I feel like I perform. 
when I, when I just, when I feel like myself, I'm grounded, I'm humble. Um, and I'm in the moment because when I, I truly believe when, when you're in the moment, that's when, uh, magic happens. That's when the beauty of pro wrestling comes out. You can script everything a million times, but until you're in that moment and you actually let yourself feel that moment and react in that moment. Um, I know this is a seminar on mental health and I'm making it about the beauty of pro wrestling, but I, I think that's, um, I think that's so incredibly, incredibly important to do. Um, sorry, my, my son does not want to take a bath. So he is crying outside the door. Um, but yeah, I, that's, I, I think of, I think of Carver and I think of Freddie and, uh, it, 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 it grounds me and, um, then I'm usually ready to go. Um, yeah, I do want to say one thing. I called Jordan Justin earlier, and I feel really bad. I, I I feel like a jerk. I meant to say Jordan, and I said Justin. Dude, I have a younger brother named Justin, so I get that. Okay, feel yeah. See, life. I knew, I knew all along. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing, Mike. That's very good. Uh, Carl, do you have any advice for uh, any professional wrestler who might be going through the curtain, feeling a bit anxious, nervous, overwhelmed? Jordan, you probably have some advice for this as well. So maybe we can get to you after Carl, but take a deep breath, breath. Try and be in that moment. Try not to remember your whole match in that five seconds that you have left. You know it. You're ready. You know what to do if something goes wrong, right? Affirmations are very powerful, especially in those moments. Get out there and you screw up. It's okay. And it's a lot about that preparation and reminding yourself that you're ready. Because it, it's a very long road just to get to that entrance way. And you had to do a lot to prove that you should be. Yeah. Jordan? I mean, from personal experience as someone who's been a lifelong performing musician, but also someone that you know, this public speaking and group facilitation for sometimes dozens to hundreds of people um, and at times thousands when I'm performing music. Um, one, just reminding myself, like, I want to be doing this. Like, I've been fighting my entire life for these moments and to, like, use the energy, you know, so sometimes we can interpret the the, the physiological symptoms as like anxiety and start freaking out. But whether the heart is racing or the blood is pumping or um, even the thoughts are racing, like that's our system, like preparing us for something that's really important to us. So even just reframing that what's happening physiologically, uh, it's, it's a good thing because something amazing is about to happen. And our body is letting us know like, yo, pay attention, like some good shit is around the corner. So it, it just learning how to develop a relationship with ourselves in big moments when our body, the mind, et cetera, is feeling overwhelming at times. It's like using that and helping it us or helping us, uh, to, you know, to propel us forward into the moment instead of treating it as resistance uh, that is to be afraid of. Yes. I was, uh, I was thinking the same thing as you, Jordan. And so, you know, when you, when you think you're about to do something that means that's meaningful to you, whether that be public speaking, professional wrestling, being a musician, we're in a heightened, a heightened state of arousal. And a lot of people will just say, Hey, calm down. Well, that's not possible to go from 
this heightened state of arousal to no arousal with by just walking out the curtain. So we want to maintain this high state of arousal, but just like Jordan is saying, you just reframe it into excitement. And Carl talked about affirmations. And for me, what I teach my baseball players when they're about to go into the ninth inning and there's one out and the winning run is on second and they're feeling this heightened state of arousal, you transfer that energy into excitement by simply saying, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on over and over and over again, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. And yeah, the guy may not get the game winning hit. So what? He still showed up. He still showed up in a really challenging moment. You still showed up to have the biggest quote unquote match of your career. And you came out there with some fire, with some energy and with some passion. And you used that heightened state of arousal to bring out your best self by repeating mantras, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. And I think that's important um, to repeat that to yourself. So you're using everything, right? We're getting a sense of groundedness like Mike talked about. We're, we're using affirmations like Carl talked about. And we're using this heightened state of arousal and transferring it into something that we care about like Jordan is talking about. So having all of these tools to use right before you step out into the crowd to do the thing that you love the most and you're ultra prepared to do that thing. And that's really cool to have all those tools in your back pocket. I think uh, also one thing that um, I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to get in the ring with some pretty um, cool people, people that have been incredibly successful in this industry. And the one common theme, and this helped me out once I realized it is we all suffer from imposter syndrome. We all do. Every single performer. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much money you've made. I don't care how many people you sp that are specifically there to see you. We all suffer from it. Every, every major wrestling star I've ever been in the ring with doubts themselves, doesn't think they're any good. Then they go out there and have the most incredible match or 20,000 people scream their name and they feel good and they feel great. And then the next night, rinse and repeat. They all do it the same. So that, that really helped me when I realized, okay, we all go through these doubts. We all question ourselves. It's just, that's why the positive affirmations work. That's why keeping yourself grounded. That's why channeling the energy into something else. I think it's, it's all different ways to deal with it, with the imposter syndrome of, okay, I don't belong here, or I'm not, I, I'm not good enough to be here. And uh, we, we all go through it. NXT Women's Tag Team Title Match because they'll set for Stan and Deliver. <laughs> Someone's watching Someone's some wrestling. Russian NXT right now, and I love it. Amazing. Um, anyways, so we're it's a it's about been an hour, so I think we we have time to answer one more question. If anyone has one that's here with us, if not, we'll just have some closing thoughts, and then we'll wrap this up. So, does anyone have a question they'd like answered by anyone in the room, or just a thought? something they were thinking they want to share um a moment of goodness you know anything that you'd like to share now's your now's your forum i do have a question but i first want to give the floor to anyone else that hasn't spoken yet okay jordan go ahead so mike um i i have a sense of some of what's going on at AEW, and at this point, I'd assume perhaps ROH, um, and be as specific or general as you want. But within the major wrestling companies, um, could you share a bit of what kind of mental health support or structure there is? Um, 
And if there is what you found uh, to be helpful or what you like about it and what you'd hope uh, for more of from wrestling companies. Yeah. Um, so I hope I'm not muted. Yes, I did it. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so by and large, AEW has been um, the best company I've ever worked for when it's come to understanding what a professional wrestler has to deal with, what they go through, what their home life is like. Um, we we have we have doctors on hand uh, that we can reach out to. Um, they make it very clear, very abundantly clear that it's the most important thing. We get emails about it, directing us where we need to go. Um, uh, I'm sure they won't mind me saying this after Jay passed away. The, the email chain that went out was, was incredibly touching, incredibly touching. Um, and, uh, as, as someone who's been doing this for a very long time, stuff like that goes further to me than anything in, in the ring will ever go. Um, it's also a very it's it it feels like it's a place that is is very um open-minded about listening to what wrestlers are going through and 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 what they're dealing with. I've said it before, so I'll say it here too. And I said it on Twitter. Their their commitment to wrestlers and their families is second to none. Second to none, not making them choose between one thing or the other. I once had to um I had my daughter's dance recital lined up with when they were doing in AEW dark taping, sent, sent the email in, not sure I'm going to make it. It was not even a question. We've been told that that is the most important thing. You choose family over everything. And you can honestly feel like you're doing it without feeling like it's going to have a negative impact on where you're going. It's, 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 it's very much a company that puts what the wrestlers are going through first. Um, and I think that's crucial. And I think um, I think we should talk about it more. And I think we should let people know more because for so long, wrestling has been run by one place and that place has destroyed mental health for a lot of, lot of people. It just has, and it's sad and it makes me sad. And I want to see it better because this, this industry is already difficult enough without the added pressure of everything else, without without unnecessary added pressure. And for so long, um, wrestlers were given unnecessary added pressure. You shouldn't have to choose between your, your daughter's dance recital and a, a taping because at the end of the day, they, they don't equate in the moment. It feels like one is far more important than the other. Um, it's actually the flip, but you should never have to, you should never be put in that moment. Um, and I can genuinely say working at AEW, I feel like I'm never put in that moment. And that is such a relief for your mental health, knowing that, okay, there's not a choice. They understand the choice is always going to be family because they're telling me that it, we understand that's the most important thing. Um, that stuff goes further for me than anything else. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's 100% appreciative. And it's, it's like I said, it's, it's the best wrestling company I've ever worked for when it comes to dealing with stuff like that. Mia, you have a question? You're on mute though. Just like me. <laughs> You're still on mute. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Yay. Quite, okay. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, is this, are you going to have like a transcript of like the steps of the questions? Cause, um, 
I want to kind of incorporate this in my job, like some of the things, because my job is kind of stressful. Sure. And I want to take a mental break when people yell at me on the phone, because I work on the phone for a living. So yeah. I want a mental break. Why don't you send me a message um, okay. tonight or tomorrow, and I'll just get with you and we'll figure it out. 100%. Awesome. Thanks. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, anyone have any questions? Comments? Yes. Am I on mute? No, you're good. No, no I'm good. I just wanted to check before I spoke. Um, really, it, it, it's more towards uh, Mike with this. Um, so I'm a professional wrestler uh, in Scotland, and my life has changed dramatically. Uh, my husband, if you heard NXT, I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, my husband is actually on NXT, so we're in the process of moving. He's in America now, I'm waiting on my visa, etc. Um, I've worked really hard here in the UK to build a name, and in fact, uh, a certain clip of a match I was in a few weeks ago kind of went a touch viral, and there was a lot of really positive things said about it. Um, there was people who didn't like it, and that was perfectly fine. Um, but when it crossed over to the point where it was incredibly personal things getting sent to both me and the other girl, um, it was difficult to sort of mentally go, right, do not interact with those people. Um, but when it became people that I respected in the industry or had always looked at as sort of someone that wanted the best. Um, there was a certain clip went out where they were sort of speaking. I, I don't want to name names, but it got to a point where they wouldn't even refer to us by our names, even though they had tagged us in the post and uh, purely referred to me as the big girl throughout the whole thing. Um, now, I've sort of always had the mantra of, don't get mad, get creative, uh, especially in wrestling. And I feel like I've done that and I've had a, a massive outpouring from a lot of people who have really sort of seen it as, yeah, excuse the language, but fuck those guys, really embrace something. Um, but it has been a lot, especially from being somebody from the independents as well when something like this happens. And... I just wonder, is, is there anything that's happened where, to yourself, where you've went to bed at night thinking, you know what, that was that was great. Like, I really loved what I did and then woke up that morning and there has been the entire world going, what the fuck did you just do? And you're like, oh, uh, okay. Uh, and especially being on your own. Um, as I said, like, the husband's currently living in Orlando and I'm, back in Glasgow by myself um, and he's my sort of the person I go to and although we're on the phone all the time and we're constantly chatting about it and he's fully supportive of all the choices I'm currently making um, it's difficult especially time differences and not actually being able just to get a hug when you need it if that makes sense yeah no and I think uh I think it's probably 10 times worse because you're lonely. You know, it, everything's, everything's worse when you don't have that person. Like I said, when I'm on the road, I have my person. So that helps me. And it's, it's a lot different than a lot of people. Um, I've never had anything um, like that go online, but I, I, I can relate to that 
feeling um, because when I was doing extra work for WWE, I will, um, there was a wrestler who shall remain nameless was very popular at the time. And um, I was doing a dark ma- or Sunday night heat match against crime time. And uh, I mimicked a certain style uh, that he does, even though I was trying to show off the grill on JTG's teeth because he told me that's what I should do. Um, it looked like something else. When I got to the back, he was the first person that met me there. And uh, he told me that if I ever did it again, he'd break my fingers and I would never wrestle ever again. And uh, at that point in my career, I thought I was done because he was the biggest star in the entire company. And I thought I would, I'll never work in this. In, I was 21. So it was like 2006. I thought I was done. Um, and I didn't know what to do. And those moments, I wish I could just say like, oh, just tough through, but you don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, you assume in the moment that you're in that it's going to last forever. And you know, to kind of bring this whole webinar full circle, the thing I needed to do in that moment, which, you know, I learned the saying, this too shall pass from my mom, was talk to my mom. And she reminded me why I did this and that these moments, they don't last forever. And and in actuality, the most difficult moments that we're in, they actually make us who we are. We look back and we go, okay, do I wish that on somebody? No. But I'm actually kind of glad it happened because I was able to push through and I was able to figure it out. And you know what? You're stronger now because you're figuring it out by yourself. You don't have anyone else that you can lean on. You're doing it and you're pushing through and you're figuring it out on your own. And it's those moments that you need to understand, you need to take and, and be proud of yourself for it. You know, you're taking steps. You're here. You're talking to all of us. You're opening up to yourself about a moment that you're, that, that is, um, very personal to you. And you're telling us that uh, you're telling us your, your personal business. And this takes strength and to take this moment and to be like, okay, I survived this. I got through this, you know, it's um, it's building equity for yourself. And just, it's, it's kind of like we've been talking about the whole time. It's, it's all these things that you need to do for yourself. And honestly, like I said, these things, they come and go. What you're going through right now, I'm not saying it's not incredibly difficult because I'm sure it's it's awful. I'm sure it's awful. And that sucks. And the way we talk to people online is brutal. And the way some of the people in this industry talk to people online that are in this industry is brutal. But this isn't going to last forever. And it's eventually going to subside and it'll eventually go away. And it's going to make you stronger for it. And if you can continuously remind yourself of that, it builds up confidence. It builds up strength. It builds up armor. And at a certain point, you're going to look at this thing and go, okay, that moment made me who I was. When I was, when I had to come out to my wife that I was addicted to drugs, I thought I would never get over that moment. I thought we'd be in that moment forever. And I look back now and I go, holy shit, that made me such a stronger person. I'm able to do this. I can do anything. You know, my uh, my recovery, I thought at the time was the most difficult thing in my life. Now I feel like, oh shit, I became, I'm a recovering addict. I can do anything in the world. It's just like, remind yourself of that. You are way stronger than you give yourself credit for. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much taking it as this is the thing that's going to fuel the next gear change, if that makes sense. Like I am, I, I'm basically claiming the words that 
at first I was like, that's really disrespectful on the sense. It's even that sense of I felt if you're going to talk about me, at least have the decency to say my name rather than just refer to me as the big girl. And I was like, cool, I'll be the big girl. If if that's who I am, then that's who I am. And I know that there's countless amount of girls all over the world that have probably had those words said to them where it's not said in a positive manner. It's been said in a way to not get somebody in trouble by referring to them like that. And yeah, I'm I'm very much on the, the mindset to do it in a way of embracing and reclaiming something that was used to demean me. Um and but yeah, it's just it still is a lot and it's still you need to take that point to go, that was out of order, like how did why did I deserve that? But at the same time, yeah, trying to think about I just when I seen this had come up online, I thought there'd been a couple of tweets you'd put out over the last couple of days that really sort of when I read it was like, Yeah, okay, yeah, right, yeah, that's right, cool. Um, so when I seen this was live, I wanted to come in because yeah, a couple of things that you'd written over the past couple of days really did help me out of the blue in a mist of nonsense and abuse there was some couple of things that you've seen and you go right okay if that's yeah that's what you've that's how you've got to think about things um so yeah also thank you when you didn't know you were helping no you're you're very welcome and i just i want you to know that like you need to tell yourself even though they, these might be men and women in the industry that at one point you you looked up to or 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 um have a prominent role in professional wrestling or whatever that means understand like you're sitting there and you're telling me you don't understand how they could say something so vulgar about you now just like think to yourself if that type of person is willing to do it they're not they're not worth your energy they're not worth your time you know regardless of who they are in the wrestling industry at the end of the day if they're that vulgar and they're willing to lower themselves to say certain things about you that are offensive don't give them your energy they want your energy they're trying to steal your energy don't give it to them redirect it so like we were talking about earlier redirect that energy somewhere else you already seem like you have an idea that you're going to redirect it into just being like all right i'm going to shove this down your throat and i'm going to prove you wrong <laughs> That's awesome. That's the way to go. That's the way to do it. Redirect that energy. That energy doesn't go to them anymore. That energy fuels you to get to the next spot that you want to go through. Um, and thank you for the kind words. I'm incredibly humbled. That means a lot to me. Well, thank you. Amazing. Well, that's uh, that's our time today. Thank you, everyone, for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, we do these every other month. And if you want to find um, the links to all the other webinars, they're on the You Are Loved YouTube channel. And again, my mental health nonprofit is called You Are Loved. And you can go to youarelovedlife.com. That's who hosts all these webinars and the professional wrestling support groups that we have and the professional wrestling Facebook group that we have. So if you want to join any of those things for extra connection, community, love, support, reflection, um, all of that stuff, Carl's there, other therapist is there, Kyle. Um, we're trying to do some stuff for independent professional wrestling. So there is resources available for people who don't work for the big companies. So that's what we're trying to do here. So we always appreciate Mike's time. Jordan, thanks for, for sharing, even though you didn't know you were going to. And thanks for everyone else for being here. You 
You're amazing. I love you very much. And that's a wrap. We'll see you guys next time.